Hey, strangers. Welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. As always, I am Krista, and the other half of this dynamic duo is Ooh. Kurt. Hey, guys. How you doing, Kurt? Good. How are you? Awesome. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? It was nice. Yeah. What'd you do? Did you eat a lot of turkey? Went by my sister-in-law's aunt's house, okay. and yes, I ate a lot, and it was amazing and good. I'm weird about Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving used to be my favorite holiday and I used to love Thanksgiving, but now I feel like Black Friday's kind of ruined that because oh. now it's just like all about Black Friday. Right. The ads are ridiculous. Yeah. I, I just, I didn't mind when stores would open Friday morning early, but well, now, now, like but now that it's like o'clock two o'clock Thursday. in the afternoon. Oh, it's in the afternoon like, now? I think one of the stores in Manitowoc was two o'clock Thursday on Thanksgiving day and it's that just... You know, I know we say this all the time, but that harshes my mellow big time totally. because I loved Thanksgiving. It was like the day to stay home, in you know, PJs. with family, in your PJs, mm-hmm. relax, do nothing. Everything was closed. Right. And now it's just, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Although Black Friday has been around for a long time. Now. It has been, but it never encroached on Thanksgiving like it has lately. Well, and now there are people shooting each other. Yeah. This is, it's ridiculous. Yep. It's absolutely, I went to a thrift store. On Black Friday in the afternoon. Does that count? That's cool. What did I do on Black I Friday? What do I always do Black Friday? Probably rent a movie and got a Papa Murphy's. Geocache. Oh, you did. We, yeah, That's we right. go you geocaching. Went geocaching with we Aaron. go geocaching every Black Friday. That's like our thing. Nice. Yep. We, How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. We it was just my husband and I, my mom, my dad, and my brother, and I hosted. Nice. I should say we hosted. My husband and I knocked it out of the park. Nice. <laughs> like we made. I told my mom, "Do not bring anything. I am making everything. Dry brine the turkey the night before. Did nice. the whole works like stuffing, mashed potatoes, homemade pumpkin pie, like everything. It looked amazing. I was lurking outside your window, <laughs> peeking in. Oh, that's what that was. That's what that was. <laughs> that's what those footsteps were. <laughs> Funny. You thought it was. No, a, it was you good. thought it was a Sasquatch. I did. <laughs> you know how I love Sasquatch. I know. Hey, speaking of, that's a good segue into, I just wanted to mention Wild Thing Podcast is really good. Is that about Tone Loke? <laughs> that's Funky Cole Medina. Oh, that's the Funky Cole Medina <laughs> yeah. podcast. Okay. Someone, I thought someone posted a link to it on The Strangers. I don't remember. I just, I, I don't know who it was, but I thought someone said, hey, check this out. But then Barry, hi, Barry. Hi, love Barry. You. Love you. She sent me a, a message on Facebook saying, hey, just listening to Wild Thing, thinking about you. And I'm like, okay, now I have to listen to it because yeah. I love Barry. And if she likes it, I'm going to like it. And I, I'm hooked. I'm on episode seven now. If you've ever listened to like Criminal or Serial or S-Town, it's sort of like investigative journalism. It, it Well, the person hosting it is a investigative journalist who used to work for NPR. And it's sort of like funny, but serious. And cool. she finds out that she is like a long lost relative of somebody who was like a big deal in like the science, sort of scientific side of the Bigfoot research. Yeah. So it, it's really interesting. I highly recommend it. Cool. I was captured from the first episode. So give it a listen, people. Totally. Do you have any other housekeeping? Uh, we have shout outs for new strangers. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Um, I'd, this time, this is the last one. This is our season finale. Yeah, season finale, This guys. is our season. Season two is wrapping up. So 20 that's just, episodes. Th- that's just crazy. I, I feel like we just sat down to start this <laughs> I season. I know, but then when I look at the list, it's like, oh my God, we have done a lot of stuff. Yeah. So our new strangers are Jenna Lee, Sunil Fajeria, Eileen Kelly, Sean Morgan, Jim Weiser, Audrey Young, Carrie Coleman, and Chad Bonin, who I know in real life and is a good guy. So thanks for listening, Chad. What's up, Chad? Speaking of Sean Morgan, he is the one who I gave a shout out to last episode because I found out he was actually listening to the show. 
he we had a funny uh instant message exchange <laughs> yesterday i think um or the day before about how he had posted something on my i had put that link on the strangers about the flat earthers theory that australia doesn't exist and i was leaving all these <laughs> comments on my own post and he said in this message that he had put this uh, comment on about how I was talking to myself and that it's okay. He talks to himself and blah, blah, blah. But he thought it ended up sounding kind of jerky. So he deleted it. And I was like, no, I like jerky, funny comments. Now I feel like I missed digs, digs jerky. I do. So it was kind of, it was a funny little exchange that we had behind the scenes. But he said, I love you guys and happy potting. Aww. So thanks, Sean. Thank you, Sean. He's been posting on the board. Yeah, it's fun. In the strangers. I love it. Um... And I want to give a shout out to my brother, Corey, Mark and Rhonda, and Adam and Sophie for being awesome co-hosts this season. Yes. So thank you guys so much for taking time out and coming here. You guys were amazing. So thank you. Yeah. Hope to have more next season. Yes. Are those the only ones we had? (laughs) Uh, You're asking the wrong person. Where's our intern that keeps notes on this? (laughs) We need an intern. I think that's it. Yeah, that's all we had. Joe didn't come on this season. I like the. Oh, I don't remember who it was, but now we have the thing in place for joining. It was the Sean. Str- was it? Yeah, the thing in place for joining the strangers, where you have to ask, where you have to answer two simple questions, so we know that you actually listen to the podcast. Right. And one of the the questions <laughs> is, what do we say at the end of every episode? And then he's he said we really need an intern or something like that. I said, yeah, I kind of we kind of. And then do he say said, that. just kidding. Yeah, stay we kind of do say that a lot. <laughs> it's come up a lot lately. Okay, I guess the heat is on. Yeah, uh, things have been weird in the school tonight. Oh yeah, that's right. We should talk about that. Yeah, you talk about. Okay, that. so we're driving up, and uh, so this school that we record in, we've mentioned this many times, but it's not a school anymore. It's more of a community center, and if you have permission to use it, you know the code from the owner, Joe, uh, his father-in-law. Their family owns the school. And a lot of the rooms are set up as workout rooms that also have codes to get into those rooms. Yeah. And there's a gym where people practice actually baseball batting practice and stuff um so when we get here we never know if anybody's going to be here or not we're always a little disappointed when we pull up and there are people here yeah so every time we drive in here now that it's getting dark out i always look well i of course look at our studio to make sure the light's off because it'd be weird if it were on we're the only people who know where the key is but i also make a very deliberate point to look and see if the hall light is on because if people are here generally the hall light is on it's on a motion sensor and if people are in and out of the bathroom or going from room to room the hall light's going to be on it was 100 percent off i know this for a fact i'm not second guessing myself at all i'm i trust you i wasn't looking at the light but i if you said you were you were i totally it was off so we pull around the back of the building where you park there are no cars there which i expected because the light was off yeah we walk into the building and we're in the kitchen, which is far enough away from the hall that it would never trigger the motion light and the hall light was on. Yeah. In that little bit of time before between Where driving past up, the window and walking in, the light turned something on. turned the light on. So, and it, it feels weird in here tonight. And it does. That's the thing is that, you know, when I think back to our first season, a lot of times we talked about how weird it was, but this season there were really, 
it was really kind of just quiet and peaceful and mm-hmm. nice in here and it wasn't creepy and scary but all of a sudden tonight it's there's that feeling again that there's something there, in here yeah you well, i do not feel like we are alone here no tonight, for sure so we got and we tested the motion light i mean we've used the bathroom since we've been here the light has turned on and then off when we've exited the hall after a yeah. few minutes i mean it's it's not set on a long timer where it like stays on for a half hour yeah it shuts off within like two minutes i think and being the big brave ghost hunters we are we have the studio door locked and we have the door the outside door. the studio <laughs> locked so because that's gonna keep anything up yeah yeah i can't walk through walls but it is weird in here tonight i also don't really enjoy the windows here because it's well there's an outside light here so you can kind of see but that window to kurt's left is completely dark somebody could be standing there and we'd have i'm no always idea. looking i'm facing the window out to the driveway so if You're somebody always, comes in i always see it yeah not that we're paranoid or anything yeah <laughs> exactly Whew. all right so now every time we open that door we're gonna be oh god is the light gonna be yeah. on so it's creepy in here tonight. I don't have a recorder. So. Yeah, I didn't bring a recorder either because it hasn't been weird in here. Now it's time to start. Uh, do we have any other housekeeping? It's the season finale, of course. We will resume regular schedule after the holidays. Mm-hmm. But That could be late January, early February. We're not really sure what that January, looks like. Probably January, I'm yeah. guessing. Because last year, I remember it got... Last year, we were gone for like two months mm-hmm. and we didn't do anything. We didn't really drop any nuggets for anybody but it got we were kind of like or we need to get back and do the podcast so i think it'll be january sometime january but we're it's not going to be like that this year there are going to be things you're going to be hearing from us we're going to drop little things here and there so just stay tuned we're not going to leave you guys hanging well we are because we're not going to tell you anymore exactly (laughs) but we'll be around all right and also on that note don't send us any more stuff for taste tests. <laughs> Speaking because, of taste tests, that's what I was just because uh, we we're not going to be. be we're not going to be. No, I'll probably be, if you send me something, I'll be sitting on my couch at home eating it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Unless you just want to support Kurt, <laughs> I'll just do my own solo podcast. Yeah. Kurt sitting on the couch in his pajamas, eating whatever you send him. <laughs> well, Narnia sits and watches. it'll be a video podcast, of course. Yeah. Yeah, while Narnia sits there and pauses at me because she wants some. <laughs> And also for the first episode of the new season, which, like we said, will be end of January, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometime middle December towards the holidays, I am going to put a poll up in our closed group, The Strangers. And it's going to be an open poll. So if you want to add something to it, you can. And we're going to use that to determine what people want our first episode's topic to be for cool. the next season. Nice. So... That'll be in there. So if you're not a member of the Strangers, please join the Strangers because that's where all the good stuff happens. It is. You're missing out if yeah. you're not on. I there. mean, we do have our. I get it. I don't. We like do Facebook have our strange either. sessions page, sure. but that just kind of should be like a. Nothing really happens no. there. Should be a little video of tumbleweeds blowing. It's sort of blowing. like the facade that you know hides the inner sanctum of the Strangers. <laughs> oh, wow. I made that yeah. sound really that, clandestine. That sounded, <laughs> that sounded like Illuminati kind of <laughs> totally. stuff. Totally. <laughs> so I think that's really all we have for housekeeping. <laughs> yeah. On to the the taste test? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we're going to take another one from... Should we do Shane's or Melissa's first? Let's do Shane. Okay. Another one from Shane's Melissa, we know it's all like that Japanese, and I have no idea idea what what else is is. in there. Man, people are obsessed with the pickle thing, though. I think it's funny. I have seen... So BDZ, Brittany, posted something about the dill... Um, chapstick. I've seen that before. I just don't want to kiss somebody who tastes like no. brine. Well, I don't want to taste it on my lips all the time either. Yeah. Nothing I don't know. Else. Maybe it would be okay. And then Jamie said that he could get into that. Oh, if it was sauerkraut. sauerkraut. Oh, my like God. I love sauerkraut. Caramelized right. onions. I could get behind that. 
caramelized onions yeah. and lip balm. Reaching into Shane's <laughs> box, oh mystery. <laughs> oh boy. The look on your face right now. Do we want the one that feels like cookies or do we want the one that feels like bagged something? Bagged something. We did cookies last time. Ooh. Saffron Road, <gasps> crunchy Ooh. chick falafel chickpeas. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Um, is um, that the brand name? Saffron Road? Yep. A mixture of ero- exotic. Erotic. Sorry, they're not erotic. A mix- erotic chickpeas. A mix- <laughs> what would those even be shaped like? A mixture of exotic Middle Eastern spices like paprika and turmeric. Turmeric. Ooh, turmeric. Turmeric is very good for you. It's anti-inflammatory. It is. I actually take those FYI. Didn't we have a turmeric drink that we tried? Yeah. Way back when. All right. Now, the lighting was really bad in here last time when I took pictures. We have our so we have our, our atmospheric light Our on. mood lighting isn't really doing much. No, because it, it's dim. Oop, turn that around. The bag is really pretty, actually. It is. Is that weird? Did I think that? No, not okay. at all. Falafel. I love falafel. I don't I'm know if I've fan. ever had. I don't know if I've ever had falafel. It's delicious. What is it? Well, it's made out of chickpeas, but there's a whole bunch of spices in it, and it's usually fried and then served in a pita with... Like sauce. Tzatziki is usually um, one of it, you know. Yeah, tzatziki. I used to be a vegetarian, so I, I kind of get into that sort of stuff, but I'm excited. Do you think these are going to be crunchy? Yeah. Crunchy I'm almost positive falafel. they're going to be crunchy. Mm, 130 calories. I'm kind of excited. Five grams of fiber, oh, six grams it. of protein. Should I, should I open this? Yep. I think I can handle this one. Okay. I'm I have, not going to struggle. I have for a, a multi tool now that has scissors because we always struggle. Oh, wow. That look one at fell that. swoop. Or rip. Or, oh my God. And she almost drops them on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Sniff test. Smells like chickpeas. Okay. I've made roasted chickpeas as a snack, so I'm really excited about this. I have no idea what I'm in store for. Crunchy goodness. Oh, they smell like. You can smell the... The turmeric. Yeah. And cumin. It smells like there's cumin Yeah, there's cumin. Definitely cumin. Ooh, they're really seasoned. Let me know when. I'm guessing they're going to have like the consistency of corn nuts. Um, yeah, probably. They do get pretty crunchy. You don't think a chickpea is going to get crunchy, but they do. I eat a lot of chickpeas, actually. Um, I put them in my salads. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. I'm just going to shovel the whole handful in my mouth. Okay. Ooh. Oh, mm. Mm. this are really good. Mm-hmm. So I've basically the made cumin, this. It kind of, yeah, the cumin, the cumin kind of makes it taste like chili a little bit. It's mm-hmm. like a chili flavor and it tastes like, I could taste like chicken tikka masala, which is my favorite food, but that's the turmeric. That's so really good. I've basically made these. You can do them in the oven or in a pan. Wow. These are really good. And they're a little bit addictive. You cannot stop eating them. No. And they are crunchy. And really good for you. I wonder if there's actually saffron in them. I like those. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of seasoning on them. Mm-hmm. Like garlic. I can taste the sugar too. There's a little bit of mm-hmm. a sugary taste, but I like that sweet salty mix. Organic ch- chickpeas, expeller pressed canola, and or sunflower oil, seasoned with cane sugar, salt, spices. Oh boy, maltodextrin. Maltodextrin. Dehydrated, gar- dehydrated garlic, onion powder, paprika, lemon juice, and turmeric. 
I mean, besides that maledextrin thing, I don't know what that is, but everything else is something I know and can pronounce, except that one. It's really good. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's got a little spicy kick to it, but not enough to make me whine. <laughs> You're not offended by I'm it. I'm not offended by it. It, it didn't ruin my day. Ooh, it is crunchy. It is good. Mm, what, what do you, do you think? What do you give it out of 10? I'm going to give it a 10 because I love this sort of thing and I've made this myself. I would probably eat this whole bag if you let me. I'm going to give it a 9. All right. So, I mean, mm. it's good. It is really good. Mm-hmm. Ooh, but it's a little spicy. I think he must care about us because this is a, a very healthy snack. Yeah. Thank you, Shane. Lots <laughs> of fiber. Mm-hmm. So okay. now we'll ha- try one of Melissa's. Okay. Perfect. And this will be our last taste test item for the season. All right. It's been a good 2018. I'm just going to keep crunching. You want to pick some? Oh. Okay. Ooh. I get to put my hand in the mystery box. Uh oh. Oh no. Oh no. What are we all knowing? Crispy anchovy. Oh. Uh, oh, wait. Anch- no, no, no. Eviscerated. Crispy anchovy dillies, headless and no intestine. Well, at least we've got that going for us. (laughs) Thank God they don't have the intestine. Oh, boy. I have a couple more chickpeas over here, so if this is disgusting. Oh, this. (laughs) I like anchovies. Okay. Do you like Caesar dressing? Yeah. Caesar salad is like my favorite thing in the world. I I have never had anchovy anything. Well, if you've had true Caesar salad, you've had anchovies. I don't think I've had true Caesar salad. I had like... Quick trip, Caesar salad. Oh, I'm sort of a Caesar salad connoisseur. I oh. order it everywhere I go. This I'm a little scared about. I'm not going to lie. Okay. And um, I, I love authentic Caesar dressing, and it's made with anchovies. It just, they just have kind of a, 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 anchovies add more of a salty, briny bite rather than a fishy taste. Okay. But I'm scared about this one. I'm not going to lie. Oh this one freaks me out. I can't get the bag open. Oh, you want wait, my scissors? Wait. You want my scissors? <laughs> yeah, you better have my scissors. I <laughs> just tore the corner off. Yeah, we need I don't to... think you can squeeze these out of here. Are they crunchy? Are they hard? Oh, yeah, they are. Definitely... Thanks, Melissa, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Where are the scissors on this thing? Oh, let me pull it out. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. The scissors, Kurt. Pull the scissors out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, look at those teeny tiny little baby scissors. I have to take a picture of that. Someone's camera happy today. I would say. It's me. This is how they do it. Shane lulls us in with the stuff that actually sounds good and healthy, and then we get nailed with the intestine-free anchovy pieces. Eviscerated. (laughs) Eviscerated. Hmm. Eviscerated is horrible. That sounds like a serial killer got to it. (laughs) Right? What does that even mean? Doesn't it mean like your guts have been... Yeah, (laughs) basically. It doesn't sound like a snack. It sounds like an autopsy. While adorable, these scissors are slightly useless. <laughs> I've been called. I've been. I've been called adorable and slightly loose, useless too. So that's just I fitting. I mean, they're more for looks than anything. They're not really doing anything. It's a survival tool. If I'm out in the woods. Oh, there we go. If I'm out in the woods and I need to cut a really thin piece of paper, I'm oh, set. The smell coming out of this. Bag oh, that was not, not a delightful. good look. That was not a good look you just did. Your skizzers. I honestly don't know if I can do this tonight. I mean, oh boy, I'm only taking one out. Ooh, oh, it's look at that! A little baby dried anchovy. If we can eat rotten fish jelly bellies, we can eat anchovies. 
had at least no intestine. Did you smell it? No, I'm not going to. <laughs> You're gonna plug your nose. I'm. It's. It looks like it's fried. Like I said, I think we've got spoiled. I think we've fried. gotten spoiled with a lot of good stuff for the taste test. So I kind of got used to not being. Yeah, scared. people have been very nice to us. <laughs> We've really been the hardest on ourselves. Yeah. The grossest stuff we tasted, you provided. Oh, they do smell really fishy. Wow. Okay. Hang on. They're actually really good for you. I don't know this if you want to. This one looks like a sea monkey. <laughs> well, if that helps it go down. <laughs> hey, you ready? I'm ready. You just doing the whole thing in one? No, no, I'm taking a bite of this one. Teeny bite. Ready? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Go for it. It's not. Mm. Well, I mean, <laughs> wow! It oh the, oh, it just keeps getting the first no. bite isn't bad, but it just keeps the getting worse. The first bite is the breading, and then the fit the anchovy uh, comes through. That is way too fishy. Oh, wow! It's like oh, it's not oh. going away. Nope. Uh, yeah, this is terrible. Nope. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> More chickpeas. More chickpeas. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh that that, that might horrible. That, that might literally be the worst thing we've tried. That was I th- I mean that salmon jerky was horrible. Oh no, this is bad. Oh, oh, and you can't it's the chickpeas aren't doing it. No, I don't think anything's gonna get rid of this. Oh, no. I'm about oh, ready. There's lifesavers in the closet. Oh that might do it. I was getting ready to drink the hand lotion. <laughs> Grab us some lifesavers. Thank you. That was horrible. I gotta get this. Why would you do that? Who would you give this to? You put this out for holidays? Yes. Oh. Oh. Well, this is not as caring as Shane is. That seriously made (laughs) that made the that was horrible. That made our fish jerky taste like a Twix bar. Hold on. Hold on. I'm giving this one a negative one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. Mm. Come on, lifesaver. Yep, it's helping. I have a feeling that when I burp an hour from now, though, I'm going to taste anchovy. And here I was talking anchovies up like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Crispy, eviscerated (laughs) anchovy dillies. I don't want to eat anything that has eviscerated on the label. No. You that, can take those home. No, that we're leaving for Jeff and Joe. Find another. <laughs> just leave it in find here another with a snack, bag open. Find another snack container we can put it in, and we'll leave that for Jeff and Joe. Doesn't it? It doesn't close. Oh come on, that's even worse. They give they put it in a bag that you can't reseal. It expires a year from June. Yeah, it expires a year, from, but I can't imagine it being any worse when it expires. <laughs> <laughs> that is god awful. Let me see it. Oh. There's no nutrition content. Oh, it's on the front and it's so small. That These minty lifesavers usually kill everything and I can still taste that nastiness. It's it's better though. I'm going to... I have to know if there's at least some nutritional value. Oh, that was bad. Well, didn't take a photo? Ooh. Okay. Oh, good Lord. So, Thanks 200 m- calories per serving, but it doesn't say how many are in a serving. That's a lot of calories. 10 grams of fat. 10 sugars. Well, I sure as hell didn't taste any sugar. <laughs> no. 17 grams of protein, though. That's a ton of protein. Actually. I don't care. I don't care. 
I'd rather eat three dozen eggs. Yeah, <laughs> I would too. Mm, that was disgusting. It's Thank, got a little uh, bit of calcium and iron. Other than that. Thank you, Melissa. Wow. You'll be removed from the strangers group. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Thank you for the stuff you sent. Love you lots. I think people enjoy hearing us taste oh, the gross that stuff. That was so. that, in my opinion, was the worst thing we've had. Oh my god! You at least the, at this. least that fish cake or the the fish in oil the codfish and oil oh, we yeah. could t- oh, we I could eat a little that. more of that this i could just do that one bite and i could not physically no and this do. is a small thing there i at least rolled it over oh, God. that needs to be put like in some kind of biohazard that need, yeah bag. that needs to be burned and wow i wouldn't even give that to my dog no <laughs> your dog and she'll eat, eat anything yeah, she, w- she wouldn't even eat that all right on to the main topic holy cow on with the show this is it <laughs> oh that is just so bad the lifesaver is doing it for me i can't i it's still i can still taste really? at it yeah okay i'm gonna muddle through this <laughs> A little more just drink my... your coffee slash cappy <laughs> <laughs> krista thought it was funny that when we got in the car after i went and got my coffee i told her i got half coffee half caffeine no you said half caffeine did I? <laughs> you said I got half coffee, half caffy. And I was like, what the hell is caffy? That's like a taffy coffee. <laughs> I'm like, I want to try that. Um, This episode was our contest mm-hmm. where we drew your name and then you would get to pick what this episode was. And Wander was the winner. And he got back to me and said, because he lives in Ohio, he wanted us to do a couple Ohio cryptids. So tonight's episode is about Ohio and the strange stuff that lives there. I'm actually really excited about this. Yeah, you will you be. you know I like cryptids. You will be, so. yeah. So to start out, here are five interesting facts from Ohio. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. In an alley in Warren, Ohio, you will find the world's largest drumsticks. They were hand-carved out of two poplar logs, each 23 feet long and weighing a half ton. What? A drumstick? Drumsticks. These are just like novelty things. Two drumsticks. Okay. 23 feet long and weighing a half ton. That's crazy. The alley they are displayed in is named after a famous drummer. Who do you, and it's not Ringo. <laughs> you want to know the first person that came to my mind and who? it's 100% not him? Who? Um, Lars Ulrich from no, it's Metallica. Not Lars. <laughs> it's not Lars, but you're kind of barking up the right tree. Hmm. Think of a modern drummer. He's really, really awesome, and he's one person that I would actually really like to meet in real life because he sounds really cool. Dang. There's so many options. Think. Can you give me a band? Two bands. He's mostly known for two bands. Oh, is it Dave Grohl? Dave Grohl. I love Dave Grohl. The alley is called David Grohl Alley in honor of the Nirvana Foo Fighters musician who was born in Warren, Ohio. Nice. Warren Police Sergeant Joe O'Grady took a well-traveled but dirty alley, cleaned it up, and installed lights and security cameras. Artists from local art galleries painted the pavement, created graffiti-style murals of Dave Grohl, and plywood canvases of Grohl art were hung from the alley's walls. David Grohl Alley officially opened as an attraction on August 1st, 2009, and to everyone's utter surprise, Dave Grohl himself showed up at the dedication along with his mom, dad, and his stepmom. That's so cool. He played the Foo Fighters song, My Hero, on a guitar and dedicated it to Joe O'Grady, which that, is so cool. I just got the chills a little yeah. bit. I love Dave Grohl. I really I, do. I, I hear there's so many celebrities I wouldn't want to meet because... He just seems like such a normal guy. Yeah, he really does. He's a rock star. But every, he's such a every great rock star. Every run-in that I've read for people have 
with him. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely super nice guy. Super nice guy. He sounds like a genuinely good person. And I think it's really interesting, just on a side note here, as somebody who the drummer's often the sort of guy who's just in the background that never kind of speaks. Yeah. To see someone who went from that role to being like a really, I think. I say powerful because when he is in front of that microphone, yeah. he is like commanding. Yeah. He is such a presence. As I love Foo the front Fighters. Man. Foo Fighters yeah. are amazing. I saw good. them at Summerfest a long time ago and it was, I'll never forget it. Yeah. So I just thought that was cool. And, and uh, somebody put those drumsticks, the world's largest drumsticks that's there. Cool. So that's super cool. Nice. Fact number two, and this is just, I picked these personally because you're going to know I love this one. Okay. There's New York style pizza and Chicago style pizza, but there's also over. I knew this was going to be about pizza. <laughs> <laughs> there's New York style pizza and Chicago style pizza, but there's also Ohio Valley or Steubenville style pizza. While the biggest argument in New York versus Chicago pizza is the crust. Deep dish, right? This, yeah, there's like a different. Like, one's well, Chicago is yeah. deep dish. Yeah. New York is the fold. Yep. 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 Okay. The Steubenville difference lies in the cheese. Instead of layering it on and then baking like the vast majority of pizzerias do, bakers of Steubenville-style pizzas toss the cheese on after the pizza is removed from the oven. According to one pizzeria owner, this method better preserves the flavor of the cheese. And that sounds like... I've never really thought of that. I'm sure it still melts from the heat. I'm sure it's still hot enough for it to melt. But it doesn't... But then you don't bake like the flavor out of it. I love that brown, crusty, cheesy stuff. I don't. I I don't. I like my, my pizzas barely... Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm not a, mm. a Bernie pizza guy. That's not burnt. No, but it's just sort of burnt. <laughs> I like mine raw. I just open a frozen pizza and just <laughs> dig into it. Nice. That explains a lot. Uh, fact number three. The highly acclaimed movie The Shawshank Redemption was shot at the abandoned Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio, and you can take tours of the facility. Which, which someone I, did. I know has done that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Barry, with Barry. With yeah. Barry that we always talk about. Barry, me, and Matt, uh, ex-old member from our ghost hunting group, went there and did the overnight stay and everything, and it was amazing. It was so cool. And I know I've said this in other podcasts, but I'm the only thing I'm annoyed about is that I did not watch Shawshank Redemption mm. until after I went there. Oh, sure. Because I, I'm a big Stephen King fan. I mm-hmm. love Stephen King, but his movies generally aren't. Oh, that's a good one, though. I know, but I didn't. Yeah, it's hit or miss. Yeah. That's a good one, though. So I got to see, like I, I said, I think in another podcast, I, I got to see the the sewer tunnel that he crawled through at the end they had that there and they had like the warden's office and stuff mm-hmm. so it was just really cool seeing that and that place is just amazing and it's creepy you saw a shadow person didn't you or did barry no we all did we okay. all saw a shadow person outside that cell that taps yeah saw something right, where they that, that was one of the only times that i legitimately saw something mm-hmm. so yeah i got crunch fine okay oh, i'm gonna do it <laughs> Kurt and Krista Crunch. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a fun candy. <laughs> Kurt and Krista Crunch. Or a dance. <laughs> what would that look like? It'd be like a rap thing. A lot of shoulder movement. Kurt and Krista Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> or a cereal. Sounds like a cereal. It does. Have a start your day right with a bowl of Kurt and Krista Crunch. <laughs> or a disease. It could be a disease too, I suppose. <laughs> So yeah, of course, I had to throw that fact in there because I was there. Yes. Fact number four, and this is cool, and I did not know this. 
50% of the United States population lives within a 500-mile radius of Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, because somebody had a map of it. Somebody had a map, and like Chicago is in there. Oh, We're in there. New York is in there. So 50% of the United States population lives within a 500-mile radius of Columbus, Ohio. Of one day, a one-day drive trip yeah. to Columbus, Ohio. Never been there. I don't think I was either. I think I've gone past it, but I've never gone there. Okay. Last fact, fact number five, and this I heard about years ago. I think when I was a kid, I remember hearing about this. In 1896, members of the Charles B. Merchant family decided to spruce up their family plot in Marion Cemetery. The family erected a five-foot-tall granite monument engraved with the family name. On top of this monument was placed an enormous 5,200-pound black granite sphere, which was polished once it was in place. The monument quickly became a popular attraction in the cemetery, but a few years later, people began to notice that there was something weird going on with that giant sphere. As hard as it was to believe, the two-and-a-half-ton sphere appeared to be moving. The movement wasn't visible to the naked eye, but there was no denying that it was moving. There was an unpolished section of the sphere that rested on the platform, but the unpolished section began to slowly move up the side of the sphere. Concerned, the merchant family hired workers who used a crane to lift the sphere and return it to its original position on the base of the monument. But as the years rolled on, it wasn't long before the unpolished portion of the sphere began slowly revolving out once more. Everyone seemed to have their own theory, which ranged from gravitational pull to stories of the monument being cursed or possessed. The sphere continues to move today, creeping along at an average of two inches a year. In fact, the unpolished portion is now fully exposed and is slowly making its way towards the top of the sphere. That's weird. Yeah, I remember reading I that when I was a kid in like pictures? a ghost book or something like that. There probably are, but I didn't, I didn't huh. see it. But yeah. Uh, it, the pictures are it's out a there. Sphere. It's a giant, so, huge sphere. So it's and it was placed on this pedestal, rotating. and for some reason, it's rotating. It's rotating. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe like the top part of the sphere weighs a little bit more, and every now and then, it jostles just enough that it kind of turns a little bit. Hmm. But I remember when I was a kid reading that in like weird, spooky facts books or something like that. I feel like there's a natural explanation for that. Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm 100 mm-hmm. percent sure there is. But it's still super interesting. It is. It's cool. Yep. So those are some Ohio facts that I thought were pretty interesting. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Ohio's neat. I've been through Ohio a bunch of times. I don't know if I've ever stayed in Ohio, but I've driven through it with friends driving, you know, to New York and stuff like that. So it's just, it's a really cool state, but I never realized that it had like Bigfoot style cryptids. I feel like every state does. Yeah, but I just don't think about that, mm-hmm. you know, because... Huh. You they, know I do. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. The Ohio is bordered on one side by the Appalachian Mountains, which... Yeah. Are, Who knows what's going on Yeah, I mean, there. They, a lot of people call that the Sasquatch hi- Superhighway because mm-hmm. so many reports of Sasquatch-type creatures exist around the Appalachian Mountains, the Appalachian Mountain Trail. So the southeastern area of Ohio features a large number of wooded areas within the Appalachian Plateau geography. Here, a great number of Bigfoot sightings and other strange sightings have been reported throughout the years. So here we go, sighting number five, and this isn't really a cryptid, but there is a cryptid involved. It is the story of Helltown, Ohio. The area known as Helltown is located in the northern part of Summit County, Officially called Boston Mills, it was settled in 1806 and is the oldest village in Summit County. Construction projects brought settlers and a railroad station installed in the 1880s made the town thrive. 
So when drivers or people passing by the town in the 80s and 90s came across an eerily abandoned town full of houses that were boarded up and covered with U.S. government no trespassing signs, both interest and rumors skyrocketed. People began to say that it was, the town was just gone. It was like an X-Files where the town just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people believed that the government closed the town for some nefarious reason. Okay. So there were a lot of rumors going around about it. Legends about Helltown began to pop up. Several paranormal television shows have discussed Helltown and its legends. These legends included the following. The town's church, called the Mother of Sorrows, was actually run by a satanic cult. The main evidence for this is that the outside of the church does have several upside-down crosses built onto it. It sounds like something out of Silent Hill. Yeah, if you look at the picture. The, I, oh, is that what that yeah, picture was? Yeah, that's what the picture of the, okay. the church is. I'm a looking. It was pretty creepy, actually. And one of the windows is, like, boarded up. Yeah. So is this, like, a recent? It must be a recent Yeah, it's photo. a recent picture. It's color. But a lot of people say because the church has upside-down crosses on it that... They believe that there was a satanic cult hmm. that ran that church. Maybe it was just bad construction and they just sort of swung upside <laughs> just down. But that's one of the things you always come across is a satanic church and the rumor of satanic cults in the town. Okay. There are lots of ghost stories that emanate from the town's scary cemetery, which it's is actually said, a really pretty church. It is which is said to be terrifying and the home of a ghost who sits on a bench and stares out into space. The trees in the cemetery are also said to move from location to location. This was supposedly done by members of a satanic cult in order to protect the cult's secrets. I don't understand There's that. A satanic cult just running amok in this They're place. They're moving, basically creating, <laughs> making the trees move from location to location well, somehow sure. to cover up their secrets in a way that I don't really understand. <laughs> but there's that. Seems like a lot of work. Seems like a lot of work. <laughs> there are, oh, I just did that one. Legend has it that you'll be chased by a hearse if you go into Helltown. Several people do actually claim to have been chased off by this ghost hearse. Maybe it's just some person who lives there. There's a hearse. Yeah. There's a building not far from the cemetery that used to be a slaughterhouse, or so it's said. It's said that if you look into the building's windows at night, you will see eerie faces passing in the darkness in front of you. Hmm. Satanist, probably. Probably. There was a strange abandoned school bus with all the seats removed that sat on the edge of the woods in Helltown. Legend has it that the kids it was hauling on its last trip were brought to that area and the bus was then circled by the satanic cult members who entered the bus and slaughtered the children. Oh my god. Other stories say that the bus was stopped there by a serial killer who, run, who then murdered the children one by one. They say sometimes you can either see the kids or their killer or killers inside. Okay, I don't mean to poo-poo on everything you're saying, but all of this just sounds like I'm, stuff I'm gonna be I'm going to be poo-pooing all over okay, it good. a little bit, so you're okay. <laughs> Legend has it that there is an abandoned house in the woods where one light is always shining in the upstairs window. Hmm. There is a bridge in town named Crybaby Bridge. According to legends, a mother once threw her baby off this bridge and it drowned in the Cuyahoga River. Where did the Blair Witch Project supposedly Maryland? Be? Wasn't it Maryland? Was it Maryland? Okay. Is it Cuy- Cuyahoga? I think Cuyahoga. Because I was thinking, of, you know, abandoned house in the middle of the woods. That one was creepy. Yeah, according to legends, a mother once threw her baby off this bridge and it drowned in the Cuyahoga River. Wow. On some nights, legends say that you can still hear the baby crying. It's also said that if you bring an extra set of car keys, park on the bridge, turn your car off, 
lock the doors, and walk away with the keys just sitting inside. When you come back, the car will be covered in dust with little footprints all over it, and the car will be running but still locked. There are so many like urban <laughs> I know. legends. There's so, like so many that. bridge legends. Yeah, like little hands that push you off the railroad tracks, kind of thing. And the last big legend: the town was abandoned due to a huge accident that released toxic chemicals into the area. The government quickly moved in and shut down the town to cover up the accident. These chemicals have caused bizarre mutations to the area residents and their children. And these chemicals also caused a severe mutation of animals living in the area, including a snake that grew to gigantic size and now slithers around the neighboring towns and is known as the Peninsula Python. And we have our most likely explanation <laughs> for everything right there. Yes. That I can believe. So, I can totally believe that happening. So those are the legends. Now here is what pretty much is regarded as the truth. Okay. In the late 1960s, a nationwide movement began that expressed concern over the destruction of our forests. In response, President Ford signed legislation in 1974 that enabled the National Park Service to purchase land and use it to create national parks. On December 27, 1974, hundreds of acres of land, including some within the township of Boston, were officially designated a national recreation area. Many people did not realize that this legislation gave the federal government the power to use the right of eminent domain to take land from private owners in order to clear the way for the national park, but almost immediately after the bill was passed, the government began purchasing houses throughout Boston Township and the surrounding area. Once the government decided to buy your property, there was no negotiation involved. The owners were forced to relocate. Residents began leaving in droves, and entire townships were swallowed by the Cuyahoga Valley National Park. The general feelings of the displaced homeowners was best summed up in a statement found written across the wall of one of the vacated homes that said, quote, now we know how the Indians felt. Hmm. So the government came in and made them move, mm -hmm. took, took the land. Well, they still do stuff like yeah. that. We're building a highway. The upside-down crosses on the church were more a part of the building than, the, than an actual cross. I mean, when you look at the pictures, it's just a part of the building. Mm -hmm. It was a common feature of Gothic architecture. So, and that definitely has yeah, a Gothic look yeah, to it. Yep. The high peaks. Yep. And so a lot of people read into that, that there was satanic activity going on there. Of course. Yep. Satanic panic. The ghost that is rumored to sit on a bench in the cemetery makes little sense because the cemetery never had benches. <laughs> so there's that. There was a Boston... A small embellishment. Yeah, whatever. a little bit. Maybe the ghost brought its own ghost bench. Sure. I don't know. Got tired of walking around. Well, yeah. There was a Boston Township family that at one time owned a hearse and liked to drive it around at Halloween. So they think that that mm. kind of got spun off into the legend that people got chased off by a hearse. Sure. It's all adding up now. Yep. The building that many people believe was a slaughterhouse is actually just part of an old barn. <laughs> so there's that. Another embellishment. Prior to the 1974 buyout of the town, a family bought a house that was in dire need of repairs. Since the house was not in livable condition, the family needed a temporary place to stay nearby while they made the repairs. They decided to bring an old school bus onto the property and live in it until the repairs were completed. In order to have more living space, they removed the seats from the bus. When the government bought the property, the family had no more use for the old bus and it was just left behind. The government has since had the bus removed since area residents have registered complaints about the large number of people searching the woods at night looking for the, quote, cursed bus. So the tiny house movement is a big deal right now yeah. and people are turning buses into houses. So I can totally see that. I can totally see that. But yeah, I mean, if, you're, if, if you have a bus, a school bus or access to a cheap school bus... You can live in there while, a lot while of you're space. yeah while you're doing repairs on the mm -hmm. house or whatever, but that's the cursed bus. Somebody mm -hmm. had just lived in there for a little while and 
all of a sudden now the satanic cult. That's how urban legends are born. Yep. Uh, The quote, abandoned house in the woods where one light always appears shining in the upstairs window is actually a youth hostel that still operates in the area. (laughs) Uh, People believe the stories of Crybaby Bridge are just urban legends. And there are no reports of any kind of toxic spill near the area or any verified reports of a Peninsula Python. There is a Peninsula Python Day, however, held in Peninsula, Ohio every July 21st that is said to commemorate the day in 1944 when a huge python escaped from a circus trailer driving through Peninsula and the ensuing mass python sighting hysteria it caused. Hmm. The day ends with a parade featuring a huge python-shaped float. So that's probably how the Peninsula Python thing got wrapped into the the urban legends of Helltown. I Uh, I guess it was all torn down in 2016. So you'll still see a lot of... uh, articles about it and stuff about it on the internet but it doesn't really exist anymore no a lot of the shows on destination not america yeah destination america did did stories about this Mm -hmm. and a lot of people that live near there were like horrified by how bad it had been portrayed about how it had been portrayed much like i get it much like yeah i get it because of the whole uh, jfk prep incident that that we got interviewed for Mm -hmm. so it's easy to see how a show like that can totally twist all for ratings but the peninsula python does show up every now and then encrypted Hmm. but i don't think there's a peninsula python well it existed but it was part of a you said yeah it was part it was a yeah it was part of the it was a parade it was a float in a parade right now so that is number five helltown and the peninsula python okay story number four is the story of Orange Eyes. The first known encounter with the beast known as Orange Eyes occurred in 1963 near Mansfield, Ohio. The creature is said to have appeared before a group of eyewitnesses who described it as being approximately 11 feet tall in height and weighing somewhere near 1,000 pounds. The eyewitnesses immediately armed themselves and formed a posse in order to hunt down the beast, only to not be able to find it again. Common origin stories say that Orange Eyes was once a quiet and reclusive creature that lived in a tunnel under Cleveland's Riverside Cemetery. They say that it wasn't until a highway construction crew destroyed the animal's cave in the late 1940s that it was forced to move into the wooded area near Mill Lake where it became a legend and people supposedly ran into this creature. And then it became much more threatening. It sounded like it had been kind of docile before, but once it got kicked out of its house or its habitat, it got, it got much more threatening. The next recorded encounter with Orange Eyes occurred on April 22, 1968. It was said that a group of children spotted the beast near Mill Lake after dark and chased it armed with flashlights, baseball bats, and rope, only to lose it in the woods. Wow, some, brave some brave kids. Or <laughs> yeah. really stupid, one of those. I'm still on the fence about which, which one it is. In June of 1991, the creature presented itself to a pair of men who were fishing near Willis Creek. The men were frightened, but the creature soon wandered off and let the men alone. Skeptics claim that the beast is nothing more than a crazy hermit who has fooled locals into believing in this creature by nailing two orange bike reflectors to a stick and waving it around in the woods. (laughs) So, that is orange eyes. Okay. (laughs) Cryptid or hoax? Or crazy hermit. Mm-hmm. So many crazy hermits. A lot. Sometimes orange eyes gets lumped in with some of the other creatures that I'm going to talk about. So a lot of the sites that I looked at had these as separate creatures, but a lot of them had them combined too. Okay. So I just kind of split them up. So we have the 
Peninsula Python, and we have Orange Eyes. Old Orange Eyes. Orange Eyes sounds kind of creepy. I'm not going to lie about that. I wouldn't want to run into him. No. A thousand pounds? I wouldn't either. It's a big dude. Story number three is the Crosswick Monster. In May of 1882, two young boys, Joe and Ed Lynch, were attacked by a, quote, huge snake-like creature as they were fishing in the small creek in Crosswick, Ohio. The two boys began hearing strange sounds emanating from the tall grass behind them. Curious as to what the sound might be, the boys began to approach the area. Before they could investigate, though, a gigantic lizard burst through the brush and ran towards them on its four thick legs. Terrified, the boys dropped their fishing poles and began to scream and run back towards their house. The creature chased after them. The monster then sprouted arms and snatched one of the boys, dragging him nearly 100 yards to a massive sycamore tree that was assumed to be its den. Three men working nearby, Reverend Jacob Horn, George Peterson, and Alan Jordan, heard the boys scream and ran over to help. They saw what they described as, quote, a reptilian creature 30 to 40 feet long and about 16 inches in diameter with scale legs and body. The head, which was the same thickness as the body, was split by a large mouth with fangs and a forked tongue. When the men reached the creature, it was still holding one of the boys and heading towards a huge sycamore tree with a hole in its trunk. They charged the monster, and the monster dropped the boy and crawled into the tree. The three men rounded up a group of more than 60 residents to destroy the beast. Armed with axes, clubs, pitchforks, and well-trained hunting dogs, the group marched towards the tree. Soon after arriving, the men started to chop at the tree with their axes in order to get the creature out. With the dogs growling and barking at the creature they knew was within, the men anxiously waited for the beast to show itself. Thinking the creature would try to escape from the large hole at the bottom of the tree, the group was taken by surprise when the reptile leaped towards the ground from a hole on top of the tree. After hitting the ground, the creature stood upright on its hind legs, balanced itself with its tail, and awkwardly took off away from the group. So it actually had limbs. Yeah. Some members of the group, obviously shocked and frightened by the appearance of the beast, dove out of the way and allowed the creature to make its escape. Others, not quick to be scared, chased after the monster without a second thought. The group chased the beast for nearly a mile over fences, through streams, up hills, and around trees. Eventually, though, the creature managed to escape its pursuers by charging headfirst into a hole surrounded by large rocks on the hillside. Members of the group, along with their dog, surrounded the entrance to the hole and waited for the creature to once again emerge. Believing this was the only way in and out of the hole, the men kept watch, but it appeared as if there was another unknown exit from the hole as the creature never emerged. No one knows how it escaped, but it was later seen a couple more times at Shaker's Swamp near Lebanon and Caesar's Creek. Because of the description, many skeptics believe that the Crosswick monster was more likely an out-of-place monitor lizard. So 40 feet long? I don't know. I can't imagine these 60 men mistaking a monitor lizard. inches in diameter? Yeah. That's, that's what it said. Hmm. That's what it said. This one was interesting. This what, one, when did this happen? Like what year? In the 18, oh, 1882. Okay. okay. But there are a lot of accounts of this. So, I mean, this sounds legit. But I don't know. Also sounds made up. <laughs> it does. It does. But I don't think it was an out-of-place monitor lizard. No. So I don't I mean, know. I mean, who knows? I, you know, I think there's stuff living out in the woods that we've never seen and we don't know exists. So can't poo-poo on everything. No, I agree. As someone who... And if this is legit and that many people did see this... Mm-hmm. You know, That's a lot of eyewitnesses. I don't know if like the monitor lizard thing, unless it was like a mass hysteria thing where the guys were so freaked out. Mm-hmm. I mean, monitor lizards get big. 
Not that big. But not big enough to, I think, drag a kid. <laughs> drag not a kid 40 in feet its long. Teeth. No. That's really, that's no. like a two story. That's like a three. Uh, a, a story is usually 10 feet, probably. I think so. So that's like a four story <laughs> building. Yeah. But it's just hard with so many of these that take place in the 1800s and stuff because mm-hmm. it can be like a game of telephone where things get changed. Totally. And things get embellished. It could have been a monitor lizard it that it ended up spinning off into this tale mm-hmm. of these guys chasing this thing. So that's one of the reasons why I like more recent sightings, mm-hmm. even with shaky, bad <laughs> phone footage. footage. Mm-hmm. But yep, that is the tale of the Crosswick monster. All right. Story number two is the Loveland Frogman. Ooh, Frogman. I've never heard of Frogman it's before. M- it's, yeah, it's more reptiles. Okay. The Loveland Frogman or Loveland Lizards. There's definitely like more of a reptilian... Yeah, vibe going on yeah, in Ohio. Yeah, or like, you know, froggy. Yep. There's not... I haven't heard... Well, I guess old orange eyes could have been some kind of Bigfoot, but... Orange eyes, uh, we, when we get to number one, that's the one that kind of gets lumped in with orange okay. eyes a lot. There were a couple like sea monster type things like nessie there was one in lake erie but i didn't do i just stuck with like the cryptids like this okay the loveland frogmen or loveland lizards the story of these unique creatures begins in may of 1955 on a lonely stretch of road that runs along the miami river in claremont county ohio just on the outskirts of a small town known as loveland ohio At approximately 3.30 a.m., an unnamed businessman claimed to have witnessed three bipedal, quasi-reptilian entities congregating by the side of the road. The man pulled his car to the curb and observed these creatures for what he estimated to be about three minutes. During this time, he noticed that these strange beings stood around four feet tall, were covered with leathery skin, and had webbed hands and feet. Four feet tall. Yeah. Okay. Their most distinguishing characteristic, however, was their distinctly frog-like heads which the man claimed bore deep wrinkles where their hair should have been. Just as the man was about to leave, one of the creatures suddenly held what the man could only describe as a magic wand above its head. The man claimed further that sparks spewed out of the end of this, <laughs> of this wand, and the article said he left post-haste. Post-haste. Yeah. I was just going to ask, what year did this happen? 55. 55. Yeah. Post-haste. When you have okay. a frogman waving around a magic wand shooting sparks out of it, I would leave post-haste post as well. Absolutely. <laughs> At about 1 o'clock a.m. on March 3rd, 1972, nearly 17 years after the first report, a police officer, who understandably chose to remain anonymous, was traveling along Riverside Road heading towards Loveland when he saw something that would forever change his life. The officer claimed that he was driving slowly due to the substantial amount of ice on the road when he saw what looked like a wounded dog by the curb. Suddenly, the animal darted out in front of the cruiser, forcing the officer to slam on his brakes in order to avoid colliding with the creature. Once the police cruiser came to a halt, its headlights fell upon the prone animal. At this point, the officer saw that the creature appeared to be a four-foot-tall frog person. In the span of seconds, this crouched, frog-like creature stood up on two legs, stared back at the policeman, then scrambled over the guardrail and scurried down the embankment, finally disappearing into the Ohio River. Hmm. The officer in question described the creature as being three to four feet tall and weighing in the area of 50 to 75 pounds. He also claimed that its skin had a leathery texture and that the animal's features resembled those of a frog or lizard. Another officer investigated the scene later that evening. He saw no sign of the creature, but reported that there were distinct scratch marks on the guardrail where the animal reportedly crossed over. Okay. (laughs) 
I don't know what to say about these. <laughs> the second sighting occurred two weeks later when police officer Mark Matthews had an encounter of his own. According to the report, Officer Matthews, while driving into Loveland, spotted what he believed to be an injured animal laying on the pavement. Matthews climbed out of his cruiser with the intention of removing the carcass from the already slippery roads when a creature abruptly jumped upwards into a crouch position. Taken aback by this, Matthew unholstered his revolver and took a shot at the creature, which then hobbled over to the side of the road and again stepped over a guardrail, all while keeping an eye on the officer. Matthew's frogman matched the first officer's description down to the last detail, with the exception of a tail, which was absent in the first report. Did he hit it? No. Okay. No, he thought it was just like a dead animal laying there. No, so no, he no, went... but he shot at it. No, he didn't hit okay. it. He doesn't think he hit it because the thing scurried away. Okay. I thought you said it hobbled away. <laughs> That's it, why I was like... It hobbled over to the side of the road and stepped over the guardrail. Maybe he did hit it. Hobble, a hobble sort of implies an injury, so... Hmm. Or sore legs. Frog legs. Because <laughs> <laughs> if he hit it, there would be blood and you could do like a DNA test. But I guess that's I'm getting way too in-depth here. Yeah, that's like 70s. Hmm. Oh, sure. In the years after these events, Officer Matthews has kind of went back a little bit on his tail. Oh, boy. He now claims that the animal in question was nothing more than a large reptile which seemed to have escaped from its owner. In a 2001 email interview, Officer Mark Matthews, now retired, explained that the incident was, quote, habitually blown out of proportion. He states that, quote, it was and is no monster. It was not leathery. It didn't have wet matted fur. It was not three to five feet tall. It did not stand erect. The animal I saw was obviously some type of lizard that someone probably had as a pet that either got too large for its aquarium, escaped by accident, or they simply got tired of it. It was well less than three feet in length. It ran across the road and was probably blinded by my headlights. It presented no aggressive action. So there's that. He kind of More likely story. He kind of went back on that a little bit. Or like he said, it was blown out of proportion. Yeah. But in August 2016, local Cincinnati TV stations reported that two teenagers had been out playing Pokemon Go between Loveland's Madeira Road and Lake Isabella and claimed to have seen a giant frog near the lake on August 3rd that, quote, stood up and walked on its hind legs. Hmm. So there are still people seeing this thing. Having these encounters, yeah. And when you look up Ohio cryptids, you're going to see the the Loveland frogmen a lot on there. University of Cincinnati folklore professor Edgar Slotkin compared the Loveland frog to Paul Bunyan, saying that stories about it have been passed down for several decades, that sighting reports seem to come in predictable cycles, which Hmm. does happen. Yeah. And this is awesome. I love this. In May 2014, the Loveland frogman legend was made into a musical titled Hot Damn, It's the Loveland Frog. (laughs) Hot Damn. (laughs) Hot Damn, It's the Loveland Frog. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) I, I can't imagine what the music is like. <laughs> I didn't even think to look that up. Now I'm going to have to YouTube that. Hell yeah. yeah. Hot damn. Hot damn, it's the Loveland Frog. All right. That's what I would say if I saw one. Next season, it's going to be Hot Damn, It's Strange Sessions with Kurt and Krista. <laughs> yep. The musical. The mu- <laughs> we, should, we should do a musical episode <laughs> sure. where we sing everything. Just the whole thing. Like the Buffy musical episode. I didn't see that one. I knew oh, you were a big Buffy fan. It was so fan. good. I am a hardcore Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. And that brings us to number one, the big Ohio cryptid. And this is one that Wander specifically mentioned in his email to me. That is the Ohio Grassman. Grassman. I couldn't remember if it was a dogman or a grassman. Okay. In the 1700s, Indians native to the Ohio grasslands spoke of a race of bipedal ape men referred to as the, quote, wild ones of the woods that live nearby. Ape men? Ape men. Okay. 
The Indians would leave out food for the creatures in an effort to keep peace. Many grassmen... Grassmen? Many gra- grassmen? Grassmen. Grassmen. <laughs> Many grassmen sightings include more than one grassman, and it's reported that mothers have been seen with grass babies. Which is cute. They sound adorable. <laughs> it's really cute. In the 1860s, sightings of a similar hairy biped were carried... Were, am I saying biped right? Yes. Is it biped? Mm-hmm. Okay. In the 1860s, sightings of a similar hairy biped were made close to the Ohio River. The hominid had apparently tried to throw a man out of his carriage, but retreated when his daughter, riding as a passenger, threw several stones at it. <laughs> That's just a weird That's a mental picture. Yeah. yeah. There are two theories about where the name the Grassman comes from. The first theory states that it gets its name from the small teepee-like living structures or nests that it builds out of tall grass. The second theory is that it's believed the beast allegedly only eats wheat and other tall grasses. So it's a vegan cryptid. (laughs) Some researchers theorize that the Bigfoot population in more agricultural areas of Ohio may have adapted to consuming cereal crops. This would make sense as planted crops would provide an easy source of food for an enterprising Sasquatch. They would really be into Kurt and Krista Crunch then. (laughs) They would. I mean, who wouldn't (laughs) want Kurt and Krista Crunch with eviscerated anchovies? (laughs) I wouldn't. No. In 1942, the Ohio... This is where, this is where the, the main stuff starts. In 1942, the Ohio Historical Society listed Cedar Bog as a nature preserve, the first of its kind in Ohio. Shortly after Cedar Bog was opened, locals began whispering about a large ape-like creature sighted frequently around the bog, and in particular near Woodburn Road, a county road that ran parallel to the bog. Sometime after, the area near where a creature was spotted was enclosed with a large metal fence topped with barbed wire. Some thought the new fence was installed to protect the bog to keep people out. Others, however, felt it was installed for a more sinister purpose, to keep something in. The locals' fears grew a few years later when a group of teenagers mysteriously disappeared while on a camping trip near the bog. Decades later, and about three hours east of the bog... A documented sighting of the creature would earn a high-ranking position in Bigfoot lore as one of the most interesting and investigated Bigfoot sightings in history. And this this was actually, like, I a lot of times researching this, I came across a creature called the Minerva Monster. Mm-hmm. And, I've heard of that. And one called the Ohio Grassman, but they're, they're interchangeable. They're the same thing. Okay. Yep. In a small town of Minerva, population just under 4,000 people, Herbert Caton cleared an area near a deep pit near his home. His work done, he disposed of some garbage in the pit and settled in for a few days' rest after the job. A few nights later, Caton's grandchildren and their friends came running into the house claiming to have seen a large, hairy monster rummaging around in the pit. The children were obviously terrified, so how Caton, his mother Evelyn Caton, and their daughter Vicki Keck went outside to investigate. They noted that their dogs were going berserk as they walked up the small hill leading to the pit. As they approached the pit, they saw a large, thickly-haired monster about seven feet tall and weighing an estimated 300 pounds hunched down in the pit, picking through garbage. The freaked-out family quickly headed back to the house. A few days later, Evelyn Caton saw the creature again picking through the garbage in the pit. She noted that the creature was bipedal, walking on two legs, and had long hair covering its face. The creature's hair was thick, and although she could not make out any of its facial features, she recalled seeing no visible neck. Hmm. Again, her dogs went wild, tugging to get free of the chains that kept them bound to a nearby tree. Hmm. Usually dogs want to flee in those situations. Yep. And there's some 
just preparing you. There's some bad dog stuff oh, coming. No. Days after the second, cover my ears no. or. Days after the second sighting, the family found one of their German Shepherd dogs dead with a broken neck. German Shepherd. The dog's collar was found next to the dead dog, which was still attached to the chain. The other German Shepherd, named Missy, appeared in an adult state. The Catons observed that Missy continued acting strangely for weeks after the incident, and out of character, she dug a huge eight-foot hole in the ground. Investigators later confirmed the existence of the hole and took photographs of it. I mean, eight feet deep is all... That's ridiculous. That's ridiculously large. deep. So, I don't know. Wow. But apparently, that's what their dog, Missy, did. Maybe she had big plans for that Bigfoot. Like, I don't know. Like, check this out. I'm yeah. digging your grave <laughs> digging right now. Digging your grave. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a badass dog. German Shepherds usually are. <laughs> the family told a little about their sightings to friends, but their sightings became public on August 21st, 1978. Ooh, I was born August 21st, 1976. Oh, you were two years Close. old when this happened. Cliss. 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 Wow. <laughs> we are... <laughs> Season finale, people. Season finale. <laughs> we need to recharge. <laughs> where was intern. I? <laughs> we do need an intern. <laughs> ba ba ba. where was I here? Okay. August 21st, 1978. Yes. Around 10.30 p.m., the Catons and a few of their friends were relaxing on the back porch of their home. Behind the home was an old abandoned strip mine that had been out of use for many years. Beyond the mine were dense, unpopulated hilly woods that the family rarely ventured into. Near the mine was an old chicken coop. Amongst the chatter of conversation, someone heard an unusual noise near the chicken coop. The Catons and their friends turned to see what the commotion was and noticed two pairs of yellow eyes peering back at them through the darkness. A close friend of the family, Scott Patterson, jumped into his car to turn the vehicle's headlights toward the glowing eyes. As he inched the car forward to better illuminate the pair of eyes, the lights revealed a huge hairy creature which had seemed to step in front of two feline-like creatures as if to protect them. The witnesses would later describe the creature as well over seven feet tall with black and brown matted hair that covered its head and face. The creature turned its attention to the idling automobile and began running towards it. Yuck. That would be... I would back up so damn fast. Yeah. Seeing the creature quickly closing in on them, the witnesses ran to the home while Patterson tumbled from the car and joined the fleeing party. Inside the home, the frightened witnesses, some of the women bursting into tears, called the Stark County Sheriff's Department. While they huddled inside waiting for the authorities to arrive, the creature was peering through the kitchen window illuminated by the back porch light. Patterson grabbed the loaded 22 caliber pistol while Evelyn snatched a 22 caliber rifle and began loading it. They noted that despite aiming their weapons at the creature, it stood by the window for about 10 minutes, showing no fear of the guns. Nobody shot at the creature, but all of them were careful to keep it within their gun sights. One of the people said, quote, it didn't seem like it wanted to bother anyone. It was just curious. We all felt that it wanted to be friends. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Sheriff James Shannon noted that the family's terror seemed genuine and everyone's description of the incident matched perfectly. Officer Shannon did not suspect a hoax. The family and friends had definitely seen something, but he could find no rational explanation for what they had seen. Shannon searched around the home and noticed an alarming strong stench near the kitchen window, which he described as an ammonia-sulfur-rotten egg smell. Mm -hmm. Additional deputies were called in and searched the area on horseback and in four-wheel drive jeeps. During their six-hour search, they found unusual footprints in the woods behind the home. Measuring 14 to 16 inches long, law enforcement wrote them off as bear footprints. When Miss Caton asked if she thought the creature could have been a bear, she responded, quote, no, not unless they mutated. 
Regardless of the official conclusion, years later, Shannon would call the investigation, quote, the most bizarre investigation of his 30-year law enforcement career. And family friend Patterson, who was skeptical of the original sightings, admitted to reporters that he was now a believer. Yeah, you get one chasing you in your car. Yeah, you're gonna be that doesn't. You're gonna be a believer. But I just wanted to be friends. I don't know who said. I saw that in a couple different reports. It's like who said it charged the house. I just wanted to be friends. Just wanted a hug. (laughs) Yeah, a really aggressive, (laughs) violent hug. On August twenty second, nineteen seventy eight, at around nine o'clock p.m., Mrs. Mary Ackerman, daughter of Evelyn Caton, drove to the Caton home to pick up her daughter and a friend. Mary turned into the Caton driveway, and to her surprise, she saw a creature standing on top of the hill next to the abandoned strip mine behind the home. She described the creature as more than six feet tall with stubby legs and hairy, indistinct features. Mary sat in the car and watched the creature until it finally turned and slowly walked towards the woods behind the mine. And there's a lot of like sightings in this one, which mm. makes this one... A little bit more this, It makes this one interesting. Yeah. Mary said, quote, It was shaped like a man and walked like a man. When a bear moves away, it does away. It goes away on all four feet. Right. This swung up over the edge of the strip mine on two legs. Bear, they stand, they stand yeah. up once in a while, but they don't walk no, on their hind legs. No, and this creature legs. walked on, on two legs. Mm. How Caton had his second experience with the monster on August 23rd, 1978 at around 11 o'clock p.m. Caton saw the creature appear outside his home and quickly grabbed a gun and fired it into the air. The creature turned and fled. That night, as the family lay in bed, their home was pelted with rocks which hit the walls with loud thuds and clinked on the metal roof of the home all throughout the night. That's creepy. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but that just kind of creeps me out. So you said on the metal roof. So that's interesting. That reminds me of the story that... Stephanie. Stephanie said, or is that what you're talking about for no, our, our listener it, stories? It was, um, they had been on that show, uh, Confessional. Uh, you, I keep telling you, you have to listen to it because it gave me the chills to the whole thing. Was this, but was it like the same the, situation? The roof walker, they called it. You. Yeah. <laughs> it was really creepy. I, yeah. I don't know what it is, but the, but the thought of spending the night in there while something outside was throwing rocks at the house and walking on yeah no creeps me out they, they don't think it was walking on the roof they think oh, it was throwing rocks on onto the, roof. the roof of the house yeah. okay but that's i remember reading this when i was a kid about a bigfoot encounter where it would throw rocks at the house all night so i i don't know that just really creeps me out they are the other rock throwers that's a very yeah. very common encounter yep. the last kate and sighting of the creature occurred two weeks after their home was pelted with rocks on September 8, 1978, around 6 o'clock p.m., Mrs. Ackerman saw two ape-like animals moving near the strip mine. She thought at first that they might have been in a tree, but she couldn't tell because of the hillside angle and the distance. She watched the creatures for a little while until they slowly turned and disappeared into the woods. Hmm. So there's a lot of sightings, sightings there. Researcher Jim Rastetter of the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, or BFRO, arrived on the scene on September 9, 1978. Here's the thing, though. They had cameras back then. This yeah. is just the 70s. Why yeah. didn't anyone think to take a picture? People Why don't. Why does nobody ever take a picture? <laughs> I don't know. Polaroid. Uh, a Polaroid would be great because those are really hard to mess Fake. with. Yeah. People. Yep. Researcher Jim Rastetter of BFRO arrived on the scene on September 9th, 1978. In his report, he noted that the Catons and their friends had no reason to concoct a hoax and they seemed truthful and insincere. <laughs> they seemed... Oh, boy. <laughs> Truthful and insincere. <laughs> yeah, last All episode. at the same time. Last episode, people. 
In his report, he noted that the Catons and their friends had no reason to concoct a hoax and seemed truthful and sincere in their stories. He also noticed that all witnesses constantly told the exact same story. He said, quote, They were very plain, simple, down-to-earth people, and you could tell something had happened that had really frightened them. There, was never any, there were never any inconsistencies with their story, however many times we went over it. That's one thing about um, the Patterson-Gimlin uh, film. Every interview that uh, one of them, Patterson, has passed away now, but Gimlin, every interview he's ever done, his story has never changed. Yeah. And he's yep. in his like late 80s. Yep. Yeah, I know. That's true. I mean, that's... Never changed. That, that says something about mm-hmm. if someone's the truthfulness lying, of it. Yeah. At some point, they're going to elaborate a little bit or yep. they have to make up a lie to cover up another lie. It's just... there's. Consistency is always a problem. Yep. Many years after their infamous encounter with the monster, the beleaguered Catons never recanted their story. The family was hassled by neighbors who claimed that they were, quote, seeing things. Locals harassed the Catons at high school football games when the crowd would stand and began chanting Bigfoot, Bigfoot as they entered the stadium. Which sucks. (laughs) You know, I feel bad for them. Herbert Caton told reporters, quote, there were doubters, those who yelled things from car windows when they passed by us. It was weird. The way I feel about it is as if they don't want to believe, they don't have to believe. That's why a lot of people don't tell anybody. Exactly. Today, the Caton family continues living on the property, although Evelyn and Herbert Caton have since died. Family members have had to install fences to keep curiosity seekers away. They exhibit skepticism when it's suggested that the animal they saw was a Bigfoot. They continue to denounce any publicity and insist that they do not want public attention focused on the case. Hmm. It's interesting that what they saw clearly sounds like a Bigfoot, but they're very hesitant to say that it was Bigfoot. It sounded different in some ways than Bigfoot, though. One of the big ones that people said was that it ate, that they were theorized that it ate grasses and stuff like that. But then, like somebody said, living in Ohio, living in Ohio, you almost have to. Right. Even, I think even carnivores forage for berries and other things that grow in the wild. They don't just strictly eat meat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So from the website Cryptid Wiki, here are some characteristics of the grassman. Height ranges from 5 to 10 feet tall, generally in the 6 to 7 foot range. Footprints range from 10 to 20 inches long, and some footprints appear to have claws, pigeon-toed, or flat feet. Some prints are three-toed, and possible handprints have been found. Weight, estimates of 300 to 1,000 pounds, generally in a 350 to 500-pound range. Sound, some reports say that it growls and barks with unusual heavy breath, but other reports say it has a cry of a baby or the scream of a woman. That'd be weird. Odor, has strong odor, like the odor of rot, that lingers in the area seven days after it is gone. Appearance. Snub nose, peaked or deep-set eyes, very chesty, blackish-brown in color, long arms, pointed and bulky head, no neck, monstrous wide shoulders, black, gray, or brown hair. Some say its hair is smooth, but others say it is shaggy, covering all of its body except the palm of its hands, and it has luminous yellow, red, or orange eyes. That's classic Bigfoot. And that's why orange eyes kind of gets mixed Mm -hmm. up in with the grass man, because a lot of people said that they've seen orange eyes. And I've had a lot of, I've heard a lot of different encounters of different eye colors. Yep. Some reports say that it looks like a gorilla, but appears to stand straighter. Other Other people report that the creature looks more human than ape. Initially, the creature was reported to have no visible neck and its face was not discernible due to the long hair. Behavior. 
reported to be aggressive and unimaginably strong, according to eyewitnesses. However, according to Native American writings, the creatures have the capacity for peace if it should be beneficial for them, possibly indicating a higher level of intelligence. Motion. Unlike usual humans, some witnesses say that it walks like a robot or machinery, and it can throw large rocks and break tree limbs. Victims. Known to kill dogs, and sometimes deer kills have been reported with just the deer's liver taken. Which is weird. Groups. Up to five individuals have been seen at a time. Habitat. Observed in a cave with a stash of deer parts. Unusual structures have often been seen. Domes made of forest material or teepee-like structures made of long grass. Other notations. Mothers and babies have been observed. Feces have been found on tree limbs and wood fibers. The hair strands, which are 16 inches long, have been analyzed by Ohio State University but have not been identified. Hmm. So that is the Ohio grass man. Okay. And... You know, we've talked several times that I'm not really a Bigfoot believer guy, but reading this stuff kind of, you know, when you have a lot of people witness the thing, but on the other hand, all these people seem to be from the same family. But on the other hand, on the other other hand, they didn't want the publicity. (laughs) So... Right. And I think it makes sense that it's all the same family because I think that any animal sort of lives, stays in the same territory and kind of nests in a certain area. Yeah. So it makes sense that the same family would repeatedly have yeah. sightings. You hear about pa- people who live out in, you know, the wilderness or wooded areas have a lot of encounters because they're in the right place for it. Yeah. So for being a Bigfoot skeptic, this one kind of got to me. This one was kind of like, wow, you know, maybe this was something. I'm telling you, you got to listen to Sasquatch Chronicles. When you hear some of these people telling their stories... It's so hard to doubt what they're saying. Maybe over our break, I will listen to one or two episodes. But this this one kind of pushed me a little bit towards believing into this stuff. I like it. And finally, the first recording of a, quote, moan howl known to have been captured in 1994 by Matt Moneymaker of the BFRO is the first known recording of a possible Bigfoot vocalization. There's there's been earlier sounds where people have recorded sounds, but this was the first known like howl, like yeah. a cry of a possible Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. The howl has never been identified as a known species. So I have the MP3 here of what is known as the Ohio howl. This is so cool. I've heard this so many times. It's it's really cool. So here we go. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that I, was something else. <laughs> so was this your first time hearing yes. this? Yes. Okay. And for somebody that kind of mocks people with their Bigfoot calls and all that stuff, that kind of creeped me out. I'm not going to lie. That I was... mean, you, part of you can argue it sounds sort of like a dog howling, but dogs don't no. howl like that. No, that's a weird... That's... So I do have... I have to say, though, Bogart. You remember my dog, yeah. Bogart? Yep. Big Bogey. German Shepherd, Black Lab Mix, and... <sighs> When he was younger, 
we, my husband and I would hear this noise in the middle of the night that scared the bejesus out of us and we couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And it kind of sounded like that until one day, like a year into this, Bogart did it when Jim, when he was sleeping, when Jim was sitting on the couch next to him. And he's like, oh my God, it's been him this whole time. <laughs> Were you guys we creeped out? Because it sounded yeah. a lot like that, which is not a normal howl. That's not like the way a wolf no, howls no, or it's a, a coyote weird. or a dog. Yeah. But he would do that in his sleep and it would be kind of rhythmic like that where yeah. it would just start over and over. But I find it really hard to believe that there's some dog sleeping outside. No. Making this noise yep. while other dogs react to it. Yep. I'm not going to lie. That was weird. It that, gives you. It really gives you the creeps. That gave me the heebie-jeebies, but I don't know what that would be. I really don't. So that... Yeah. Like I said, as someone that mocks the Bigfoot stuff and the people that go out and do their Bigfoot calls, maybe I'm wrong because that was kind of creepy. Yeah. And the other one we have, uh, Kristen, is, Kristen oh and God. I talked about this. We, I think we actually mentioned this in the Bigfoot episode. And I had never, I don't think I've ever, ever had heard it to that point. Okay. Or I th- thought you were talking about something else because this was completely new to me. So last night when I went looking for this Ohio, the, the MP3 of the Ohio Howl so we could play it on here, mm-hmm. I found a clip of what they call samurai chatter that they say is the, the actual vocal vocalizations of the Bigfoot or Sasquatch creatures. And it must have been like eight o'clock and I listened to it and I was like, nope, I don't want that just that totally freaked me out. Yeah. So in this clip, you're going to hear this wasn't taken in Ohio. I believe this was in the Pacific Northwest, but you're going to hear this is a recording that a Bigfoot researcher took out in the woods and you're going to hear what sounds like, and I see why they call it samurai chatter. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Japanese. It sounds like a language. It sounds like a Japanese samurai talking. Really weirdly. Really though. weirdly. And you and you hear the re, the researcher or the Bigfoot hunter like kind of repeat what it says, trying to draw it out more to talk more. So in the background, you're going to hear the really clear as day. You're going to hear like the samurai chatter. And like in the foreground, it's you're going to miss. You're going to hear the researcher kind of. Try to mimic it. Try to mimic mm-hmm. it. But I listen to this briefly and then i nope the hell out of it because it was bedtime and it i'm was, already getting the it was creepy so this it. is what they call samurai chatter uh-huh. So, so that's samurai chatter, and you can see where the samurai th- comparison yeah, comes. That's from. just weird. And there's like uh, Chris and I talked about. There's other ones like that online. You can find. Look up Bigfoot chatter or rapid chatter. Yeah, it and is, they're all really creepy. The rap, the Bigfoot chatter one is. It sounds incredibly primal and aggressive. Yeah. I mean, that one is like if I heard that in the woods, I would. I feel like your death is imminent if you're hearing that. This you know? one almost sounded like it was aggressively questioning what the person it was, was doing there, communicating. Yeah, so that's just weird. Had that, a very male quality yep, to the voice. Yep. I mean, could it have been some dude out in the middle of the woods? messing around <laughs> with samurai somebody. i don't know i think you could do that though with your voice you don't even have to say any I don't actual know. language i don't I, I think it adds validity a little bit that you can hear the researcher hearing it and like responding to it it was weird but he had some guts dude yeah i'm not gonna lie that that <sighs> creeped me out and that was weird so i would not be calling back to whatever that no, was so, i don't know what to make of that but that is samurai chatter yeah very interesting wow 
So there you go. There are some Ohio things for you. That's a rabbit hole you can fall down easily to. Oh, Bigfoot, Start vocalizations Bigfoot vocalizations and chatter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. So it's creepy. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. So intriguing. And it's creepy. Yeah. We don't ever want to hear that here at the no, school. No, we don't. We're still hearing weird things here. Yeah, I've been hearing weird noises coming from the hall, but it's very cold outside and the heat is on and that's probably the clanks yeah. and clacks i'm hearing out there so there are some ohio legends and cryptids for you yeah very cool well, I mean, it was a cool subject suggestion it was it really was and krista and i talked about that maybe we could start doing this for every state getting yeah. a couple cryptids or haunted locations from every state and just do a state as an episode yeah so maybe that's something we will do in the future and contests you know whoever wins yep. will pick their we'll state. do their state so thank you wander that was a good suggestion because i didn't it. know what the person <laughs> what the winner was going to pick so that was pleasantly awesome and i got to learn a bunch of stuff which was cool and i got to hear bigfoot vocalization yeah so there there's about. your ohio howl and samurai, samurai chatter. chatter we will end season two on that i love just it just for you so now on to our last listener questions for the season exciting so we'll have time for one possibly two we'll, we'll we will see let's just do two it's the okay. final episode for the yeah. season we will do two our first listener question is what are your guiltiest pleasures Ooh, guilty pleasure <laughs> so that thing that you just love to do but you're embarrassed to admit that you do like yeah. for some people it's keeping up with the kardashians that's like a guilty pleasure i'm not one of those people by the way i have watched it Let's see, a guilty pleasure. I Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's not, I don't know if I would say that's a guilty pleasure. That's. But it's that thing that I watch all, I've seen the show from all seven seasons from start to finish probably yeah. four times and I will continue to watch it. It's my feel good show. It's my guilty pr- pleasure. I don't know, but it's not, I'm not embarrassed to admit that. Isn't that what a guilty pleasure is? It's yeah, that that's something that, that you kind of, it's hard to admit to other people that you do. What you, what is yours? Reality shows. Oh, like I like we've talked <laughs> about this. We've talked about this. I love Big Brother. Uh, Nikki, my friend that listens to the podcast, she comes over and we watch Big Brother. We watch Survivor. Big Brother and Survivor are my two big ones that I love. But that's one of those things where I don't really want to tell people I watch them because sure. you know I just realized what mine is. Yeah, so mine is reality shows like Big Brother and Survivor. Mine's more seasonal. It's Hallmark Hallmark Christmas. Oh, are you serious? One hundred. I will watch every one that I can get my hands on. They all have the same plot. They all end up the same way. (laughs) It's two people. So cheesy. It's two people who meet, butt heads, secretly like each other. There's a misunderstanding at some point, but then they come back together, and in the end, everybody's happy, and it's buttoned up like a cute little package, and it's all happy, and it's Christmas. It just happens. And I absolutely hate them because Lifetime has them all time now and unsolved mysteries isn't on in the morning for me to watch oh, well there's two hallmark channels now because they didn't have enough networks for all their christmas movies that is, oh God, that's horrible i am in heaven horrible heaven no up tv which is what also <laughs> plays gilmore girls also has christmas movies on right now oh. that's my guilty pleasure i admit it Yep. After is, after binging on horror movies for a month, <laughs> you have to watching watch the, movies the Hallmark, where, the Hallmark. where it's nothing but feel good and it always ends up happy, it's kind of a nice break. <laughs> and I love Christmas. so Okay, so yours is that. Mine is yeah. cheesy reality shows like Big Brother and Survivor. Mm-hmm. Very good. Ugh, wow. <laughs> it's so bad. I never really sat through a whole one, so maybe sometime I should. Sit through one, you've watched them all. <laughs> 
<laughs> Some are worse than others, but... And we got one more question. This will be our last question for season two. Hey, guys, love your podcast. Thank you, mystery person. Mm-hmm. My question is... How long would the two of you last in a zombie apocalypse? Okay. (laughs) I can tell you the deciding factor right now. Are they the really slow zombies or are they those 28 days later zombies? Exactly. Because I... If it's the fast ones, I'm a goner. How fast can you run, Kurt? (laughs) If you run slower than me, then I might make it. Not... You just got to run faster than the person next to you. Exactly. That's all it is. Exactly. If they're the fast-running zombies, I seriously don't think I would last very I, no, long. No, absolutely not. But if we're talking like Walking Dead-style zombies... I could last years. I think I could last years, too. And a lot, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't think that of me. Hmm. I think that I would I think that I would last a long time because... It's about smarts, not about... It is about, about smarts, It's it's, but I, I think a lot of people would bet against it. me. I wouldn't bet against you. Well, thank you. You're welcome. The only, you know what I've thought about this watching The Walking Dead is like what skills do I have to give to a community? Because mm. they just, in the, in the like the last episode, they were letting some new people in and they said, well, what can you offer? Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't have any skills. Uh. <laughs> Kristen and I could do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we could make witty conversation. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, think, I, can't I, think where I, would, or... I think where I would be okay in like a zombie apocalypse society like a community is some kind of interpersonal person like interpersonal person interpersonal person (laughs) like talking with people and a liaison of sorts a liaison or i don't want to say a therapist but somebody sort of i think my dealing with people's skills are really good but as far as like handiwork no, no. I'm a really I can't good do anything. cook, so I could I could turn vegetables could whip something and whatnot up. into edible food. Not that vegetables yeah. aren't edible without being cooked, but I I could whip anything you give me into a a good meal. I, I guess I, that's a skill because not a lot of people can cook. No, not at all. Well, not I'm not saying not a lot of people, but there are a lot of people who can't cook. That, yeah. that, that's probably a more accurate statement. But if they're the slow moving zombies, we're set. Oh yeah, if we're, fine. The fast we're moving, fine. We're fine. Crazy flailing zombies yeah no i don't want unless that. i can I don't unless know, we have like a really secure some, location like, like the school like right here is where i think we'll, we'd be okay here yeah we'd, we'll still have the leftover nasty anchovy things we could survive yeah. on i guess There's chocolate in the closet though but, would be good. <laughs> I, I think i would last a good long time yeah. but i don't know what i would have to offer a zombie community well it would just be maybe it's just me and you and if I ended up dying, I don't think it would be a zombie. I think I would trust the wrong person because I sure. trust. You're way too trusting. I'm way too trusting. And I'm super paranoid, yeah. so I'd be here to watch out for you. Well, thank you. See, we got this. We're well, good. We're a team. We're good. We're we surviving good. this apocalypse. We will broadcast strange sessions from the zombie apocalypse. <gasps> yes. Although I don't know how people will listen to it. They'll find a way. Yeah, they'll find Someone a way. Someone will get a generator going. And yep. We got this. We're set. Yep. <laughs> Yep. We're in there like swimwear. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Never heard that one. So that wraps up season two. I love it. I can't believe that it's over. No, I, I really can't either. can't. I mean, we I started like we recording started. this. Yeah, we started recording the season when it was freezing cold out, and mm-hmm. now we're ending it back when it's freezing cold freezing out. Freezing cold. Yep. So like we said several times, we're going to be around. Oh, I want to say that while we were recording this episode... We got a very nice 
Facebook message, we put our picture, a cute Snapchat picture up with the ears and the glasses. Mm -hmm. But underneath it, the first person to respond was Jim Weiser, who I gave a shout out to at the beginning of the episode that just joined the strangers. And he wrote, I'm a truck driver, so I have a lot of time to listen to podcasts. You guys are quickly becoming one of my favorites. I can't wait for the next season. Don't make us wait too long. Aww. Which is super sweet. So that thank you, Jim. And we promise we are going to make this as painless as possible. Yeah. You know, and then the question comes up, do we need to do a break? And I feel like around this time we do because everybody's so busy. It's the holidays. Yeah. It is. And, you know, I think I personally need... Sometimes my, you just need a little time to recharge. I need my battery and, to recharge, yeah, my podcasting I battery agree. to recharge. I'm already working on topics for next season, so we're looking at that. But we're telling you right now, once again, we are going to be around. We're going to be dropping little surprises on you guys. We're going to be around. And Jeff and Joy and I will officially be releasing new episodes of our new stuff. Um, that was a little bit redundant uh, <laughs> in January. So if you're interested, you can check that out. It'll be a little something to tide you over. Yep. And until then, Chris and I talked about this on the drive here. Anybody that wants, that listens to the podcast and really likes it, if you guys want to friend me on Facebook, go right ahead. (laughs) Kurt Konechny, K-O-N-E-C-N-Y. You guys are going to find me. Chris does a little more closed (laughs) than I am. She doesn't generally. Uh, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm a little weird about that, I guess. I'm happy to interact with everybody on our Facebook page, but... I only, I literally have like a hundred friends on Facebook. I'm oh, not geez. one of those people have, who, no, I, I have, literally have a hundred friends hundreds. and I'm very weird about who I'm friends with because I'm just kind of more private that way. I mean, I talk about stuff on here, but I'm also try to remain a little bit kind of anonymous too. Like yeah. I don't like to give a lot of details about myself. But I mean, if you're a name that I recognize from joy, from liking the strange sessions or being in the strangers, I'll friend you. I'll accept your friend request in a second. I may or That's I may why not. I'm going <laughs> to die in a zombie apocalypse because I'm going to trust the wrong person. And yeah, I'm very selective. Don't be offended if you friend me and I don't accept it. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'll just accept a, it. Just a forewarning. It's I'll not... accept it as long as you're okay with seeing pictures of whatever food I'm eating or and Narnia or Nar- and Narnia, Narnia pictures or geocaching. And that's the thing. I don't post much anyway. So even if I were your friend, you'd be bored. I mean, I don't post as much as I used to really on Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, every now and then I do. I'm very active in the Facebook group for the strangers. Yeah. That's about yeah. It. And you guys are great in that group. You guys keep it going. Yeah. I feel like this last over Thanksgiving, I kind of slacked from being in there a lot because I was kind of busy doing stuff here and there. Even the the group was kind of quiet too. Yeah, it's just the way it is. So that's kind of one of the reasons that we kind of take a little break over the holidays so everybody can get their stuff done. Plus, I'm not going to lie, it kind of makes you wait and appreciate (laughs) the podcast a little more when we do come back. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Exactly. So obviously, we're on Facebook, but we're also on Instagram and Twitter, and we love the iTunes ratings. So if you find that you love our podcast and want other people to know about it, a rating on iTunes will accomplish that for us. So we really appreciate everybody who's done that so far. And uh, Kurt is going to give you our P.O. box right <laughs> yes, now. Yes, because we desperately want postcards yeah, from postcards you guys. postcards up the wazoo. We'll yes, take as many as you Please send us postcards. We're, we, we have our them. little board on the wall with our pictures that uh, Dash drew for us yep. and our postcards, and we want to get a bigger one. I would love to have a whole wall covered yeah. in postcards yes. from our listeners. So please send us a postcard if you get a chance. Just want to know where you're from and just want to... It's just a just fun want, souvenir Just want to hear hey from you. Yeah. So our address to send the postcards to is The Strange Sessions. P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. So please drop us a postcard. 
No more snacks because we're good with snacks for a yeah, little while. Yeah, let's wait till 2019 for that. Yeah. And I don't know what else. No, I think that's it. So just it's thank you guys season. so yeah. much once again for everything. I think we had a huge jump in strangers on the Facebook page this season. So we did. It's really I think cool. I think we hit a hundred strangers mm-hmm. this season, I think and so now we're too. up to like 171 or 172. I think we're over 180 actually. Wow. Yeah. So thank you guys. I mean, you guys are the reason we do this. Yeah. We and know. we know that many more people are listening than are on the yeah. strangers group. And yep. that's so cool too. I mean, if you're not on social media, we still, we appreciate every single yeah. person. We appreciate it more than you listens. know. Yeah. If so I would, if I had the money and the power, I would travel the world and I would find each of every one of you guys and hug the stuffing out of you. <laughs> Krista, probably not so much. Sounds like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna find I'm you. Sending you a virtual I have a certain hug. set of skills. I'm gonna hug the stuffing out of you. <laughs> certain set of particular skills. I have a particular yeah. set of skills. There you go. There you go. Oh boy. So oh, thank you guys time. so much for listening. Uh, we will be back. You will be hearing from us sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. So until next year. Uh, oh wow, that's just so weird. <laughs> it is. So from the old school media studio, from Krista and I. Be safe, be happy, and until next year, stay Stay strange. strange. This has been an Old School Media production, executive produced by Kirk Konechny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.